Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. And this is episode 55, creating a course that converts with Emily Walker. So Emily Walker is someone I've known for the past year or so. She's actually one of the mentors in our Scale Up Business Accelerator program. And she is such a genius when it comes to creating courses and designing client experiences that leave your clients with tons of results, help them feel more confident, and support them in achieving their goals. She's someone who has so much patience in the online space for all of us who are visionaries who want to put everything in the kitchen sink into our courses, into our programs, into our client experiences. And she truly understands that most of the time, less is actually way more. So I wanted to bring Emily on to not only talk about course creation, but also talk about her own journey towards entrepreneurship. So she's someone who never actually expected to be a business owner, but she sort of fell into it and shares all of that in today's episode. So if you're looking to get a course out into the world or make sure that your clients get even more results, or maybe you're a new entrepreneur and you're wondering how in the world you make this work, this episode's for you. So go ahead, dive in. This is episode 55 with Emily Walker. All right. So everyone, we have Emily Walker here. Emily is someone I've gotten to know really well over the past year, and I'm super grateful for her and all of her support in our company. So welcome, Emily. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be chatting with you. Me too, because I actually, despite the fact that we've been in connection for the past year or so, I don't know much about your backstory. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about how you started out as an entrepreneur and what kind of supported you in getting the entrepreneurial bug, so to speak, and just take our listeners back to that period of time before your business. Oh man. Yes. Let's go back for sure. I, I always say my journey kind of started like a face plant. Um, I feel I, I never had that moment, you know, like in high school or when I was younger, where I'm like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to start my own business. Like I went through just a wide range of career choices. I, for a while, I was like, I'm going to be a hairstylist. I'm going to be a cinematographer. I'm going to go into med school. Oh wait, I can't stand the side of blood. So I'm not going to be a doctor. Like I went through the whole gamut. And I remember in grade 12, I was like, okay, I know I want to go to university, but I have no idea what I want to do. And so because I'm in Canada, I was like, I should learn a language. I should learn French and that will serve me whatever I want to do. And so for a long time, I was on this path of, I'm going to be a language teacher. I'm going to teach French. I love teaching. I love education and kind of with a French degree, what else can you do, but be a teacher either in elementary school or high school. And it was when I was in university that I was like, okay, I love parts of education, but I do not like the idea of being in a public school classroom. There's something about it that just wasn't resonating for me. And that's why I remember when I was reading your book, Emily, I resonated so much with that sense when you were just like, you knew you were on a path and you were like, nope, this is not for me. Like my whole body is saying, no, this is not the way to go. Yeah. And And so I was like, okay, well, what else can I do with a French degree? Like, what am I supposed to do here now? (laughs) Move to France. Yeah, move to France. And I was like, okay, well, that doesn't seem super practical because I think my mom's head would explode if I was like, I'm permanently moving (laughs) to a different continent. (laughs) And so while I was in school, I was kind of, you know, thinking about like, well, I'm going to finish my degree because at the time I was like, I must finish what I start. And I was working for this 
um, what would you call it? Like student ID. Like we made like, you know, your like those really lovely pictures you get that you eventually end up putting in your memory box. Cause you're like, I can't believe I looked yeah. like this when I was in university and we were going through this huge tech change. And it was just like, no one knew what was going on. It was such a nightmare. And I said to my boss, I was like, why don't we organize some sort of workshop or training and, and I can lead people through what's going on. And it was very much that exact moment where I started taking someone else's information, which was the super boring, how to use this card printer and turning it into a workshop that people were like, wow, that was actually fun. And that was actually enjoyable. And I was like, oh, there's a way for me to be involved in education, in teaching without having to be a high school teacher. And so it was, you know, like the clouds parted and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, I, I love this feeling. And then it was kind of immediately followed by another crash where I was like, oh, but the only way to do this learning design thing is in the corporate world where I will be, you know, doing kind of compliance trainings just like this, like how to use the software, how to like teach your employees about where to put their garbage and that type of thing. And I actually did do the corporate training for a while and I learned so much, but again, it just wasn't lighting me up. I was having this moment of like, I can't do this. Like I, I like the idea of potentially I could run my own business and I could choose my own clients, but I was looking kind of at the corporate clients I could work with. And I was like, maybe not, you know, maybe it's not worth it for me. And just through that faceplant I mentioned, I kind of was on Pinterest one day and I came across um, Melissa Griffin's website and I saw what she was talking about and that there was this, all this space of like online entrepreneurship. And I was like, that's it. This is, this is what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to take my learning design. I'm going to take my love of education and I'm going to work with this incredible community of entrepreneurs and help them build courses. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. There's so many key pieces in there that I want to pull out. So the first piece is around this idea that we have to finish whatever we start. And I think that oftentimes that is kind of drilled into us that we have to have a great work ethic. We can't start something unless we're going to finish it, unless we're going to get to that, that finish line. And I think so often that stops people from actually getting on the path that they're meant to be on because they don't give themselves permission to pivot. And I think there's so much power in just releasing something that no longer is aligned and really just taking what the lessons are that you can learn from it because there's always lessons regardless and then moving in the direction that you actually desire to go in. So at what point was it really when you got the confidence when you put together that workshop that you finally gave yourself permission to pivot? Yeah. I, and I feel like that was definitely like the starting point. But for me, I feel like my journey was kind of a series of small pivots that I, at the beginning, because I was very much in that like academic mindset, just like you said, where it's like, you have to finish what you started. How dare you not finish? Like we've been kind of, like you said, it's been drilled into us our whole lives. Like you have to finish what you start. And that was when I started to be like, oh, maybe not. And like, I mean, I still finished my master's degree. I was like, no, I've, I'm, you know, it's a two-year program. I'm halfway through. I can't stop now. But I've definitely, I feel like that, permission has picked up momentum as I've grown with my business where now I'm, it's almost like I'm giving myself permission to pivot faster where it's like, okay, you know, that I 
decided, I'm like, okay, when I'm done this degree, I am going to do something different. And then when I was like, I'm going to do the corporate stuff. No, I'm going to move. And it's, it's like picked up momentum. It's almost like a muscle that you have to build to be like, oh wait, it's okay. If this isn't serving you, if it's not in alignment, you don't have to just dredge on with something that's just like sucking your life away. Totally. And the thing is, is when we deny what it is that we actually want, we develop mistrust within ourselves. And so just like you said, it's a muscle that grows every time we use it. And so I always tell all of our clients, you know, start with something small. Ask yourself intuitively, what do you want to eat for dinner? And then allow yourself to have it and start to develop that, that trust muscle within yourself so that you can start to trust your intuition and what you're being called to do. And ultimately, I think one of the most dangerous things is telling yourself over and over and over and trying to convince yourself that you want something that you don't actually want because the subconscious knows the truth and will get in the way and you'll end up self-sabotaging. And then of course, you won't actually be in your zone of genius, which is where your mastery is and where, where you can actually impact the world from. Mm-hmm. And you're just not living up to, to that true potential. And I know that might sound kind of heavy to people, but I really want exactly what you said, Emily, for people to start to give themselves permission faster and at least test it out. Trust your intuition for those little things. And as you do that once, it kind of snowballs and builds on itself. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it feels like it just keeps unlocking like new awesomeness. I think that's like, for me, it's like every time I start trusting my intuition, I start listening to it, I start making those decisions. I'm like, Oh, this just feels so good. Like physically my body feels so good. And emotionally I feel so good. Like I look back to how I felt when I was in school and yeah, I was learning some things and I was doing research on something I found kind of interesting, but because I was so not in alignment with my purpose and how I wanted to be serving the world and showing up, I remember I was so unhappy. And it wasn't until I really kind of found my stride in my business and started working with the people that I love that I was like, oh, is this what true joy feels like? Am I allowed to have this on a daily basis? Like, it's pretty incredible. I love that. And you did take what you learned in your master's degree and your previous experience into this company. And so I do think that sometimes people feel like it's all or nothing or, oh my gosh, I wasted so much time and money on getting this degree and now I'm not even using it. But what I often find is that even though we pivot, we still take things from the the previous life, I'm doing air quotes, the previous life that we were living into the current chapter. And so it's never a waste. Never waste, never at all. And I think it just adds to your richness as how you're able to show up, whatever your business is. You know, if you've just been in one lane your whole life, you know, maybe that served you. And maybe you were like one of those lucky people that found it right away and you've been on track the whole time. But more often than not, like you said, we kind of dabble in a bunch of things, but it just informs what we do. Like maybe you're a, at one point you were teaching yoga and now you're working as a coach and now you're, you used to work in a restaurant and like all of these things, you can take those elements and weave it together. And there's all always, like you said, lessons and resources that can be applied. Beautiful. So at what point did you go from working in the corporate space to living your best life, working with some incredible entrepreneurs? So I definitely had an overlap. When I first started, I was doing subcontracting with a local company. And so I did a lot of corporate stuff. And then again, just through like some entrepreneurial Facebook groups, I started realizing like, oh, wait, I could work with other people. And so for a long time, while I was building up my clientele and I was really finding my own as, as 
changing my identity from being like, I'm a corporate subcontractor to like, I'm a business owner. I can call myself a founder. I have created this business. I, so I had this kind of overlap. And it wasn't actually until recently that I finally released my last big corporate client. So it's been, it's been a journey. It wasn't like a one moment I'm like corporate and the next minute I'm fully working with these amazing heart-centered coaches and creatives. It was a kind of a, I don't know what you'd call that, like a slow fade. <laughs> Yeah. So how long um, has it been since you started working with that first corporate cl- corporate client to today? Oh, so my first corporate client was, I think, five and a half years ago was when I first started. And I got my first, like, I would say who fit my ideal client, like dream client people want to work with about three and a half years ago. And it's just been kind of slowly like trading one out for the other and, and growing up. And, and once I kind of nailed it, or like honed into who I wanted to be serving, that's when I was it suddenly started to snowball. And I was like, oh, I'm serving this one specific type of person and yet they're everywhere and they're finding me and I can talk to them. And things just grew from there. It was amazing. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit more about finding clients because I know this is a big question for a lot of our listeners. So even in the corporate space, so how did you first develop those client relationships with the corporations you worked for? So a lot of it was through the subcontracting. Like I would say that the common theme through everything has been networking for me, which is very much like um, having local connections. Like the person I subcontracted for was someone who I went to kindergarten's mother that I ran into on the street, like when I was in university. I live in a relatively small town. So this is like pretty common, but I had no idea she was in the same field that I wanted to be in. And so I started working with her and formed those connections. And then also the because I went to the university here in town and they were one of my corporate clients as well. So I had the kind of connections that I'd forged through there. Oh, love it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So through networking and connections, and then what about as you started to develop those relationships with entrepreneurs, was that again through networking? Yeah, it was through coffee chats and Facebook groups were like the the two, or I should say coffee chats, Facebook groups, and then also some live events that I went to, like all forming those connections, those where you can really talk with people and get to know them. Like I have never really found for me in the, at least when I was getting started, you know, you can post on social media, you can have all of these strategies, but ultimately for me, what's gained the most traction is just getting out there and talking to people. If you see someone asking a question in a Facebook group that you have the answer to, giving them some help and then saying, Hey, if you want to have a chat and talk about more, like let's chat about it. Or, you know, when I was at a live event, that's actually how I got connected with you, Emily, was I went to this live event where someone that worked with you, um, we had this great, amazing chat and we were talking about it. And then a couple of weeks later, she was like, you need to connect with Emily because she's putting together something amazing and you need to be involved. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that. I had no idea. And I love what you said about being helpful and answering questions because I think so often people are afraid of making suggestions. They're afraid of putting themselves out there. And I have to say, you've been such an asset to our program. For everyone listening, Emily is one of the mentors in our Scale Up Business Accelerator. And you've been such an asset because you've been willing to give us your perspective, even when I haven't asked for it. And I'm so grateful for that. Like, you know what? We can make this tweak here or we can do this by, or we can make this better by adding in an additional, an additional call or whatever the suggestion is. And I think people are genuinely, um, they don't want to step on anyone's toes. They don't want to make people feel like they know better than them. But what we really want to see in the online space is experts. And we want to know that there are people out there who know their stuff and know what they're talking about and can support us in, in reaching that next level, whatever that may be. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head with people being afraid to own their expertise. And I think not only is that owning the expertise and the fact that you know what you're talking about, but also not being afraid to not have to be an expert in absolutely everything. I think when people feel like, oh, I can't talk about this one thing, so I'm just not going to talk about anything at all. I know for me in, in the, uh, the course creation space, for a long time, I felt like I couldn't do what I was doing because I didn't talk about marketing and launching. And then I went, I'm like, you know what? There's amazing resources out there for people. People on how to market it and launch a course. And that is marketing. That's very different from learning design. And when I started to own it and say like, you know what, I am talking about how to design your course to get results. How to, you know, one of my friends once called me like an architect of transformation, like how to build something to get people results and transform their lives. And then I can pass them on to other people who, who can talk about the marketing, who can talk about the launching. And so when it comes to owning your expertise, it's like not feeling like you have to be all things to all people, but say like, I do this really freaking well for these, this group of people, like, let me help you make your life better. Yeah, that's such a great reminder. And that happens as well in our programs. You know, I do know a lot about a lot of different things, but there are tons of stuff that I don't know. And I'm not afraid to share that with our clients and say, you know what, I don't have that answer to that, but let's ask Emily or let's ask um, one of the other mentors in the program, or let me get an outside resource to come into our program and support you with that. Because Mm -hmm. we're not actually able to know all the stuff as much as we'd (laughs) like to. As much as we'd like to. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. Like as, as part of the journey, you do definitely pick up a lot of stuff along the way where you're like, oh, wow, this is cool. <laughs> exactly. So one of my questions for you, it's, it's a little bit, um, I, I'm not upset about this. I'm not uh, embarrassed by it. But basically when I started I Heart My Life, I just kind of dove into my course creation. I just did it instinctually. I did it based on my own journey. I developed programs that I felt like I needed when I started out. And I didn't work with somebody like you. I just kind of moved full speed ahead into the world of course and, and program design. Can you talk a little bit about why it's so important that you do actually take the time to develop your course properly, for lack of a better word, with support from someone like you, or at least learning how to craft your message and your program, whatever you're creating, um, in the way in which you teach it? Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I love talking about this. I think, you know, the biggest thing for me is what results are you going to get your people? Because that you know, it comes on a couple of different levels. The first of all is like, you want to stand behind your product and know that you're like, I have intentionally crafted this course experience to be like a path where I've laid it down at your feet, brick by brick. And all you need to do is walk this path and I'm going to get you this amazing transformation. And when you take the time to craft that journey, you can be sure that you are putting exactly what you need into your course and not a lot more. Because I think that the thing that we run into a lot as heart-centered entrepreneurs is we care so much about our people. We care so much about getting them results that we throw everything in the kitchen sink at them. We're just like, you might need to know this. This might be nice to have. And so we just throw all of this information at them and, and thinking about often, you know, the people that we're serving are us, you know, earlier on our journey. It's like us, you know, three years ago or a year ago. And we're thinking like, well, now I know all of these things. And I wish I'd known all of these things back then, forgetting that we didn't learn it all in like 
a month or in three weeks. We've learned it bite-sized piece at a time for what's stuck. And so when you take the time to work with a learning designer or when you have the time to go through you know, a training that kind of walks you through how to design your program with intention, you know that you're giving your people the information, the actions, the resources to actually move the needle for them, to move them forward. And what happens when you do that, not only are you making a huge impact, on people's lives. But also it's the best marketing strategy out there. No one talks about courses that they don't finish. So even if you have the best intentions and you put together, you know, in your eyes, the perfect course, but you haven't taken the time to intentionally kind of filter through what needs to be there in what order with what activities and, you know, some kind of like learning hacks for how the brain works along the way then they're not going to finish the course, which is why for some reason it's accepted in the online space that online courses have like a 10% completion rate, which means 90% of the people aren't getting the awesomeness that you've created for them. And they're probably not talking about your course. You know, if people are like, oh, I need a course on money mindset. What should I take? People are going to be like, well, I took and I finished an Emily Williams course and it was amazing. It changed my life. My like money mindset has completely shifted versus someone who's like, Oh, I took this person's course. And like, I didn't make it past module one, but you know, you could maybe check it out. Like that's probably not going to do very well for your, your cheerleaders out in the world. I love that. So is one of the ways to ensure that your people finish the course, is it by almost shortening it? And I love an analogy that you gave previously when we did a training together, you were talking about how um, a mother would never send her, send her child out to the playground wearing all the clothes for all the seasons, kind of like Joey on Friends when he puts on all of Chandler's clothes. And yet we do that in our courses. So is one of the, the best ways to ensure that people complete a course is to check in on whether we've put too much in it or if we've put the right amount that's going to get people results. Yeah, I think that's like the the best way because I mean I I think we've all been guilty of this where like maybe we we sign up for someone's free training or we're on YouTube or something and we look at how long the video is. And I know I've done this. I'm sure we all have too where we look and it's like maybe it's like 15 minutes and we go like eh, I'll come back to this later when I can pay more attention. You know, it's like that that beautiful lie that we tell ourselves where we're like I really want to be present for this training and I I only have 5 minutes right now. I only have 7 minutes or something and and very often if it's too long or it looks too overwhelming then we just move right along. Or often what happens too is because we're designing a lot of people design with content first. They think, what do my people need to know? What information do they need to know? And so the worksheets or the activities for each of their lessons, when you actually break down the activities or the actions that your people need to take, it's these huge tasks. It'll be something like, okay, I need you to set up your entire website, or I need you to um, start posting on Instagram like 10 times a week. They might be these huge tasks. Whereas what I teach and what I'm a big proponent of is design with your action first. So think about what's the goal of the learning experience that you're creating, whether it's a course, whether it's a workshop, whether it's an event, what is the goal? And what do your people need to do? What actions do they need to take to reach that goal? And when you give yourself permission to write down all of the actions, then you can start to see what is it actually entails to finish this course. So you can start grouping the actions into smaller bite-sized pieces. And then you can think about what content or what information will support them in being able to do this action. 
Yeah. And that's a lot of what you talk about in our program and with your clients, I know, is the way in which adults learn. And when we set people up for success, that's really about breaking things down into smaller tasks so that it feels more manageable. Because when someone feels overwhelmed, they don't move forward. They feel like they can't do it. They lose confidence and and eventually they quit. Um, So can you talk a little bit about any other tips that you feel are really important, especially when it comes to adults and their learning style? I think the biggest thing is to remember that as adults, we don't like being in a state of not knowing what we're doing. It feels uncomfortable. We can be, you know, if you're a perfectionist, there might be a little bit of jet judgment might be being like, Oh, like I feel so stupid. How did I not know this? And so no one's ever going to complain that you made their life too easy. And so what I like to say in your courses or in your programs is really think about how can you wrap or bookend whatever you're teaching, whether it's in a module, whether it's in a lesson with something that feels familiar to your people. So maybe it's, um, thinking about like a journaling prompt, or maybe it's reminding them of something they've accomplished, thinking about what makes your people feel strong, what lights them up, what is like, okay, like maybe you work, like for instance, the people I work with are great at big picture thinking. They love dreaming. They love being creative. They love all those big visioning, but they get pretty uncomfortable when it comes to the actual like organizing of those ideas. How do we take this vision and turn it into a course that gets results? And so if I just fired at them a whole bunch of like, we're going to organize this and we're going to talk about your learning outcomes and we're going to like build this whole plan, they would shut down. Like you said, they'd get overwhelmed. They wouldn't want to do it. And so what I like to do is open all of our sessions with a big picture visioning exercise, something like what testimonials would you want to hear from your clients or what's your, how do you want people to feel when they're going through this course? And so thinking about with your program and what you're, what you're creating, what's something that feels familiar or what's going to make your people feel really good before you kind of sneak in something that they haven't learned before so that it doesn't feel as big and scary for them. That's great. Yeah. And do you think that some people are more um, natural at course creation than others? Definitely. I would say so for sure. I think there are some people who they know who they're serving so well. They know their people so well that they can almost intuitively kind of put things together and they, and they kind of know what serves their people. I think everyone, regardless of how kind of connected you are to your clients and how well you know their journey can benefit from having an external kind of objective third party. Like even myself, when I put together learning experiences, I bring it to my mastermind, I bring it to my peers. And I'm just kind of like, how does this, how does this look? Because we, when we get so close to our subject matter area, we can almost forget small little gaps in between things or leaps that we make intuitively that maybe our people who are earlier in their journey, um, might not be as aware of. Yeah. And I think that's so important to remember that getting that perspective can be super helpful because I think a lot of people end up being a bit shy about it and they're not as confident as they could be when it comes to their work. And so they don't want to they don't want to even welcome any sort of criticism because they can't mm-hmm. handle it. But ultimately, we have to keep the end goal in mind, which is our clients getting results. And if you have to go through a few hours of feeling uncomfortable as people are giving you feedback, in order to support your clients in the long term and make your company more money, then that's well worth it. 
Absolutely. And I, and I love how you put it. It's like a few minutes of uncomfort, but definitely saying that it's, it comes back to what's your goal. What's driving you? Why are you doing this? It's like, and for, you know, pretty much most people, it comes down to like, because of the impact that you can have because of the lives that you can change and, and having something that's stuck in your head that you haven't shared with anyone that you haven't created isn't serving anyone. It's not making a difference. And so it's worth it to put it out there, make it the best it can be, get that external feedback where, you know, it might be, you know, I think everyone has, can feel little bits of pinches when they get feedback. I know for me, it's like every time I get feedback, I have to be like, okay, growth mindset, be open to this. It's going to be okay. <laughs> but it's, it's worth it in the end because it just makes whatever you're creating that much better. Yeah. I know you and I were talking about some feedback that we had gotten from the program and I still, I have to, I have to brace myself to read it. And it's never as bad as I think it's going to be. I don't know why I have this mindset that's like, oh no, this is going to be horrible to read. I'm going to end up crying because it's not normally. And normally it's very constructive and then we can take it and we can make tweaks and it's super helpful to everyone in terms of the long-term vision. Um, But it can still be a little bit scary. I totally get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And it's like, oh wait, no, I formed a relationship with these people. They love me and I want to give them the best experience possible. But I know what you mean about the kind of like brace for impact here it comes. Exactly. Yeah. So can you share with the listeners anything that you've personally had to overcome as you stepped into the role of being an entrepreneur and not only you know starting your business, but moving from subcontracting with corporate to working with entrepreneurs? Because I know that that takes a lot of mindset shifts and, and growth as well. What's something that you've personally had to overcome? I think the the first thing that comes to mind, I mean, I know there's been lots along the way is perfectionism. Like, I think for me going from being in this, um, you know, higher education space where everything has to be absolutely perfect. You can't have a single typo. You have to have your ideas so perfectly articulated. Everything has to be like this highest level of standard to being like, you know what? It's okay if things aren't a hundred percent perfect. Like it was kind of like what I was saying earlier. It's like, you need to put things out there in the world. And I know my, my first website, I think I waited like six or seven months to launch it. And that was like a solid, like four or five website iterations ago. And, and I waited so long because I just wanted it to be perfect. And now I look at pictures of it and I'm like, Oh no, like, what was I thinking? Same, (laughs) but it's, it's, yeah, like being trapped in that perfectionism, which I think often can be very much wrapped up in the, you know, the fear of failure and the fear of judgment where it's like, well, if I don't put things out exactly perfectly, then, you know, my ideal client will land on my website. They won't resonate. They'll hop away. I'll never get clients. I'm going to fail, you know, and you just end up in that spiral. And, and it just took, it was a journey for me to be like, you know what? I, my goal, my mission is to help people and help them make their impact, just go impacting thousands and millions of lives with these amazing programs. And I need to get over myself. If I'm going to do that, I can't just keep these perfectly crafted ideas in my head. I need to start letting them be out there and letting them be, you know, not a hundred percent perfect because they're still going to help people. Love it. And is there anything you wish you would have done sooner? Oh, that is a great question. Wish I'd done sooner. I think trusted my intuition. I was so tuned out (laughs) for quite a few years because I just, I didn't even know that was a thing. And it's been really, I'd say this past year, year and a half, where I just through kind of a series of fortuitous events, I've just had the right resources in front of my eyes where it was like, you know what, when you tune into what feels good, 
and you get into that kind of state of flowing instead of forcing, it's like I watched my business just explode in all sorts of senses, not just with clients, but also just with how I felt about how I was showing up with the content I was able to create with the people I was able to connect with. And I didn't even know that was an option in the beginning. I thought I was like, you know what? I just need to find that right person with that right roadmap. And if I follow their roadmap exactly, even though it feels kind of wrong and off to me, I will be able to build this business. And it, I wish I'd known back then that it's like, you know, you have the, that strength inside you. You have that knowledge where it's like, you need to lean into what feels good for you so that you can make it happen. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. That's your viewpoint because that's so much of what we teach in all of our programs. And, you know, we, we obviously spend a lot of time in Slack working with our clients and it's not in a cookie cutter way. It's very much tailored to each person so that they feel like they can infuse who they are and their uniqueness into their journey and into their business, because that's ultimately what's going to set them apart. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that I really like about the accelerator that you've created is that it's a really good blend of coaching and consulting. And I know I was talking about this on my stories the other day, where I think a lot of people say they're coaching, but what they're actually doing is giving advice. They're consulting. They're saying like, do this, do that, do that. And there's a time and a place for that. But I love how you interact with the clients in there is often you're helping them tune into their own intuition to what feels right for them. You don't just jump in there and be like, oh, this is the answer here. You ask them questions and you create space for them to really strengthen their own inner confidence, knowing that they know their business and their people best. Exactly. Thank you. So I want to talk a little bit about the live events. So for those people listening, we have I Heart My Life Live coming up in January 2020. And Emily is going to be there as one of our panelists. And she's also going to be there in support of all of you who are attending to really take action and get some goals set before you leave the room uh, to support you in moving forward in 2020. So we're doing a get it done workshop live there in person. And Emily, you already mentioned a little bit about how live events and network and coffee chats have been so integral to your business and the success that you've experienced. Can you talk a little bit to those people who maybe are on the fence and don't know whether I Heart My Life Live is right for them or don't know if going to a live event in general is a good idea or worth the investment? Can you share your perspective? Well, I mean, the short answer is just go, like be in the room. Um, the, The long answer is that there is just something so magical about being in a room filled with like-minded people. And I think especially for like most of us run our businesses in the online space where it's very digital, you know, where you're kind of like, you talk to these people that are disembodied heads on Zoom and you see people on social media and there's something about being in the room, the energy and being able to like hug people. If you, you're meeting them for the first time in person, but you've known them on live, you know, like Emily, like I've known you for over a year and I'll get to actually like hug you in person, but also being able to be, hear from those speakers and connect with people. And even, you know, like myself and I know several of the other panelists, we're going to be there. So you can actually come up and talk to us and form because like we're humans, like we're, we're not just these, you know, like I said, disembodied heads, we're people that you can connect with. And I always find that these events have a ripple effect. Like even like I was saying, like the the event that I went to where I met um, Yasmin who connected me with you is, you know, 
we can sometimes be so singularly focused. We can be like, oh, I'm there and I need to get a client. And on, and if I don't meet people who are my clients, then what's the point? But you know, I met I met with Yasmin and we connected, who then connected me with you, and that that grew things in a different way. I've met people who just end up being like mastermind buddies. There's always like networking is has so many different meanings to so many different people. And so I think there's there's something there for everyone and only you know what you're hoping to get out of it. But I think you'd probably regret not going more than you would regret going. Like I, I even think about um, this one event I went to that once I got there, I was like, you know what? I'm not learning what I was hoping to learn. And I was like, you know what, but I like, that's okay because I've connected with some people that I met online that now I get to see them face to face. I, you know, got some, you know, quality time in with other people at the event. Like there's, there's so much that you get out of live events. Like I just, I can't talk about them enough. Like (laughs) I could go on for, for hours here. No, I love it. And so often people do have this agenda in their life and in their business, and they think things are going to happen a certain way. And I always use the example that Mike Dooley gives in Leveraging the Universe, where he talks about how you create a line down the center of a page. And on the left side, you put everything that you could possibly do to create the life that you desire. And on the right side, you put a list of things that the universe could do to really co-conspire with you to create the life that you desire. And so often there are amazing opportunities that are outside of our vantage point that are all conspiring together in order to bring us what it is that we want. And so the example that you gave of meeting Yasmin in person her being connected to me through a lot of random other things that we don't need to get into today. But that was something that was conspired that the universe used to conspire on your behalf that you had no idea about. But all your job was to say yes to the event when you got the hit that, you know what, this is for me. This is the next step. I need to be in this room. And then there were other things going on beneath the surface that you couldn't see that were the reason why you had to be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we can get really attached to the how, how things are going to happen. And it's like, once you start releasing that attachment and just being totally open to all possibilities, you know, I I think there's been times and like, I remember there's been months where I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I really need to like manifest this specific amount of money. And that's going to come through booking a client. And, and it's like, that's not necessarily how the universe works. You know, like you need to just be open. And, and as soon as you release that attachment, then all these kind of synchronicities and things start happening. And so I think it's exactly true with the event as well. Yeah, I love it. So everyone listening who's on the fence, get off the fence and get your ticket at iheartmylifelive.com. You'll be able to see Emily in person. You'll be able to see us and all the other speakers. You'll be able to be a part of the Get It Done workshop, which is what we do in our actual scale-up program itself. So you'll have an amazing experience. So Emily, my final question for you is something we ask all of our guests. What's one way that you would recommend our listeners create a life better than their dreams? Oh, that is an amazing question. I love that. I think like for me, just trusting like my, my gut response here is to think about the advice that you give, which is don't put limits on your dreams. Don't let that horrible be realistic stay in the way. I think often when we think about dreams, we still kind of cap them and we're like, okay, this is what feels possible. I'm not going to dream too big. And I think as soon as you start giving yourself permission, and this is something that like you have taught me so much over this past year, is like 
don't put limits on your dreams. Don't say something is not realistic or it's probably never going to happen. Or we put those little buffer words like, oh, I'd love it, but it's probably not going to happen. Just be like, this is what I want. I feel it with my full body. This is my biggest dream and I'm going to be available for it. I'm going to just be open to the ways the universe is supporting me to achieve that dream. Oh, thank you for that. Perfect way to end this segment, this time together. Thank you so much, Emily. Can you let our listeners know where to find you? Yes, for sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Emily. Uh, This has been such a fun chat. If you want to continue a conversation, you have questions about creating your online program. I love to hang out on Instagram. I do respond to DMs. So like, feel free to slide right on in there. I'm at Modern Leaders Co. That's Modern Leaders Co. Um, You can also find me modernleaderscollective.com. I've got some fun free resources on there. If you're thinking about creating your online program, or maybe you have one and you want to make it a bit better. And I also hope that I'm going to see you at the event. Like, Please come find me. You can create me on social media to find out what I look like and then come find me at the event. I'm one of those like extroverted introverts. So like if you're feeling a little bit like you want to stick to the walls, you can come find me. We can chat. Or if you want to run up to me and give me a giant hug, that's okay too. I hope to see you there. Thank you, Emily. Amazing. Grateful for your time and all of your support this year. Our clients absolutely love you. You've been such an incredible addition to our programs and to our company. So again, just super grateful for you and can't wait to meet you in person. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to January. I hope you love today's episode and that you feel inspired to start your own business, to move forward, to make a transition, or maybe build your own course or program. If you want to work closely with Emily and also with me, she's one of the mentors in our Scale Up Business Accelerator program. You can apply in the show notes. So take a look right now. Make sure you hit apply. Get in. We have a limited amount of spots available. So we'd love to work closely with you to support you in growing your business and creating more impact for all of your incredible clients. Thank you for listening to the I Heart My Life show. For more inspiration, success tips, and ways to achieve your life and business goals, definitely follow me on Facebook and Instagram on I Heart My Life Now. See you next time.